Appreciate it. Good job. There's a lot of cables up here. Welcome to uh, our full family worship gathering this morning. My name is Nathan. This is Emmaus Church Community, and we get the, the treat of having everybody together this morning. Kids, older kids, used to be kids, hardly remember being a kid. Um, and this is super important for us because uh, we don't want to contribute to the ultimate disintegration of the family through just constantly dividing family according to specific age groups. And so it's really important that we worship with our children. And so every quarter, once a quarter, four times a year on the fifth Sunday, this is what we do together. So what is this? What is this? Can anyone tell me what this is? It's a, I heard two words. I heard scooter. And I heard Razor. This is really interesting because this for ever and ever was a scooter. But for the last maybe, I don't know, five, seven, ten years, it's a, it's a Razor. We even had one that wasn't made by the company Razor, but kids call it a Razor. It's like this brand has done such a good job marketing itself that the whole item is known for the name of the brand. You know what this is? Anybody tell me what this is? This is Kleenex, right? Tissue. <laughs> facial tissue. If you call it facial tissue, you're a nerd, right? <laughs> because everybody knows this is Kleenex. It is proper. You're right, Daryl. It says three-ply white tissues, 10 of them. So this is Kleenex. You know what's so weird about this is there is no such thing as Kleenex, but this is what Kleenex is. Everybody calls this Kleenex now. They've done an amazing job calling this thing, that's the name of their company, Kleenex. What does that mean, actually? It's a strange word. But they've, just, they've, con they've convinced all of us that this tissue is Kleenex. Okay, and then here's another up. Here's another. Anybody know what this is? Band-Aid. Band the king of all branding. Because every kid in America, when they scrape their knee, wants one of these things, right? They want a Band-Aid because it's going to make you feel better, or as my kid used to say, it will feel me better. And, uh, and this, so this is, just a, this is a, I don't even know what this is called, an adhesive bandage, because everybody in the world knows this is a Band-Aid, right? So there are lots of examples of things like this, like Band-Aids, like, um, like uh, razors, um, like Kleenex such a good job marketing themselves that we just come to know what them and, and everything that they sort of, they become synonymous with the product itself. And then there are examples of products or organizations that do something similar. It's not exactly the same, but it's similar. They take a word that everybody knows and they try to use that word to name their company. And they try to make that word just be synonymous with their company and only their company. Like in 2012, Facebook tried to trademark the word book. Did you know that? They tried to trademark the word book. And I'm like, you can't do that. You can't take ownership of the word book. Everybody has a book in their house. Everybody, that's everybody's word. You can't own that word. You can't say that's our word, but that's what they try. And the word face and the word poke and the word wall and a couple other things, right? Sort of strange to me. Churches have also done this. Churches have done this. For instance, um, there is this word called orthodox. The word is orthodox. It means right thinking or right belief. Somehow, at some point early on, the ancient Christian church in the East took on the name Orthodox as their own name. And so all churches with right belief or right thinking were Orthodox, but 
out of, out of history comes this organization, this specific organization that takes the word as their name. And so now you have the Eastern Orthodox Church, and it's an actual organization. You have the Russian Orthodox Church. Here's another example. The word apostolic, it means coming from the apostles. And so we have apostolic teaching, the teaching of the apostles. Hopefully we're all teaching the teachings of the apostles, right? But there's actually an organization that said, oh, we'll take that as our name. There's actually the apostolic church, right? And they've, they've taken that for their name. And even the word Christian, this is really interesting. How can anybody brand Christian? And yet there is. There's a group that has taken the word Christian as their name. And this is close to home. William Jessup University is part of an organization called the Christian Church. And they mean like specifically. And then um, Bridgeway, solid church. It's a Christian church. Not just that it is Christian as an adjective, but it is a Christian church, the name. Now, the most Probably the most popular example of this is the word Catholic. The word Catholic, like Orthodox, like Apostolic, like Christian, like face, like book, it was used before there was ever an organization that used the word Catholic as part of their name. Right? This, this word was used to describe something, an idea, but the organization that has taken this word as part of their name has done such a good job branding their organization, no disrespect at all in, in my saying it that way, has done such a good job that when I say the word Catholic, you probably think of the organization more than you think about the idea. Words matter. Words are really, really important. What if, here's a question, what if a word was really, really important, but the importance of the word got lost because the meaning of the word changed. When I was in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, if something was really good, it was bad. That's right. It was bad. So if somebody like had this great bicycle or something, this really cool mongoose or something, we would say, oh, that is a bad bike. We essentially re, we took the name, the, the meaning of the word bad, and we changed it. Because what we really meant was it was good. But we said it was bad. And it wasn't just an 80s thing, it happens still today. The 6th, 7th, 8th graders on my baseball team, when something's really good, it's sick. <laughs> it's sick, right? So, like, here's an example. Oh, Rappa got a new bat. It's sick. And with translation, Rappa got a new bat. It's actually totally healthy. Um, it's doing fine. It's actually of such incredible quality that it's, it's desired. And so it is sick. I don't know, we just do that. I, it's just the way it happens. So what do you do when a word no longer means what it once meant? You have two options as I understand it. You either stop using the word or you try to recapture its meaning. And that's the challenge, that's the challenge. It's the challenge that we face when we come to the point in the Apostles' Creed, which if you're new with us today, welcome, I'm so glad you're here. We've been studying the Apostles' Creed uh, a statement, a very succinct statement of the Christian faith. It was written in the second century. We've been studying it almost all of 2015. And today we come to the line in the creed that says this, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. This is a challenge. It's the most, probably the most confusing phrase in the creed for people in our culture. Um, because in our culture, the word Catholic has come to mean something different than it meant 1,800 years ago. Most people, when they hear like at baptisms, when we recite this creed, I will say, <clears throat> I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And most people in our culture, if they were to hear me walking down the street saying, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, 
They would think I am basically declaring membership to the Roman Catholic Church, the one that's headquartered in the Vatican City, the one that's led by Pope Francis. Right? In fact, so many people think that that is what Catholic means, that they've opted to change the Apostles' Creed. They've either taken the word out or they've tried to replace it with something else. Other versions of the Apostles' Creed go like this, this line at least, I believe in the Christian church. I believe in the Holy Church. Uh, I was at a Nazarene ordination service a couple of weeks ago. We were ordaining some men and women to be pastors. And we recite the creed right before the ordination. We recited it like this, the Holy Church of Jesus Christ. That's the way we said it. Now, none of these statements is wrong, but none of these statements has replaced the word Catholic with a good substitute. None of them have. Why? In one or two generations, have we somehow felt the need or the boldness and the right to change an established creed of the church that up until now has not been changed for 1,800 years? It's because we think the word Catholic means something that it didn't originally mean, and so we want to make sure that there's no confusion, right? But guess what? It's we who are confused. It's we who are confused, sadly. Because the word Catholic, like it or not, it means something. At least it meant something originally. Before there was ever a Roman Catholic church, and it meant something that was very, very, very important, and I don't think it should be lost. I think what we understand is the church gets diminished if we lose the, what is intended to be communicated through the word Catholic. This is really interesting. This is from a Roman Catholic theologian. He says this, the creed does not say the church is Roman Catholic. And then this is what I think is funny. He says, that term is indeed oxymoronic. It means the two things that can't go together. He says it combines an element of universality, which is essentially what Catholic means, with a highly particular adjective, Roman. So it's like a, a, a crashing of terms. The term Catholic, it means throughout the whole. The word Catholic means everywhere. All right, so when, when the apostles of Jesus taught about the church, they did not teach that there were many churches, like the church in Corinth and the church in Ephesus and the church in Lincoln. They thought that there was one church in many places, um, all kinds of local communities connected to one unified and universal, that means everywhere, church. And that church embraced differences and was still unified. Uh, some of us heard a lecture on Thursday night by a theologian named N.T. Wright, and he was talking about this idea at one point, talked about differentiated unity. Everybody looks different, and yet we're all together. So here are three important truths that I want to lay out, and I'm going to ask kids to draw a picture of each one of these truths. Draw three pictures for three truths. If you'd rather draw pictures than take notes with words, that's fine. That's up to you. Uh, that's up to you. Here... Um, here are the three truths that I want to communicate about this word Catholic. Now, I'm not going to fight with anybody over this. It's just not, it's not to that level for me. And yet, I do think that these truths are so important that we should continue using the word Catholic when we recite the creed. My personal opinion, and, uh, and here's why. First, the church exists everywhere. That's what the word Catholic means. The church exists everywhere, not just in one place. And here's what's important about that. Who we are globally is more important than who we are locally. 
if you're a kid, draw a globe, draw a world, a circle with some land and water in it. It's a great test for Christianity, friends, for true Christianity. If a teaching works only in one culture, then that teaching is not essential to the gospel. If it only works in America, it's not essential to the message of Jesus. For instance, 100 years ago or so, a lot of missionaries from the United States went to other countries and they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. They sometimes carried other messages along with them. For instance, a really bad example is they, this message, you should wear a shirt and tie at worship. Well, that wasn't essential to the gospel, right? It was part of their message in some cases. That's part of what they carried with them. This is what Christians look like. They wear shirts and ties when they worship. Well, how do we know it's not essential to the gospel? Well, because shirts and ties don't work in every culture, right? Shirts and ties are a fashion issue. They're not a gospel issue. So that's, that's an example of why it's got to work in all cultures in order for it to be part of the essential message of Jesus. Jesus works in all cultures. When we say that we believe the church is Catholic, we're saying that the general trumps the particular in any argument about the nature of the church. The general trumps the specific. In other words, what's important to us in Lincoln is really important to us in Lincoln. I'm not saying it's not important. It's important to us, it's important to us in Lincoln, but, but the church in Lincoln is only a part of the worldwide Christian church. And what's important to the worldwide Christian church must be more important than what's important just to us in Lincoln. That's one way of saying one of the things that we mean when we say the church is Catholic. Here's the second thing that we mean when we say the church is Catholic, when we call it Catholic. And the reason I think we should keep the word, because it implies inclusiveness, that all are welcome. If you're drawing pictures, if you finished your globe picture, now draw a dinner table with chairs. A dinner table with chairs. Some churches are rather exclusive along racial lines, economic lines, class lines, political lines. Many Christian denominations in America are known more for whom they exclude than for whom they include. The ideal church should be one that embraces differences within a larger unity. So we see the ideal, of course. We see what we're shooting for always in the life and the ministry of Jesus, who welcomes outcasts to himself welcomes sinners to himself, not just to hear his teaching because he's so brilliant, but to have dinner with him, to have dinner with him. Table fellowship. The first generation Christian church, they were all Jews, but they welcomed Gentiles to table fellowship. They have dinner with them, and they don't require them to be circumcised or to follow Mosaic law in order to do so. Typical distinctions like race and gender and class, they don't matter to the early Christians. And now it's a struggle, but ultimately they decide this doesn't matter, which is part of what makes them so different from the rest of the world, because those are the things that matter exclusively in the rest of the world. They don't now, this is important, they don't say that nothing matters, they don't say that anything goes, that just come on, do whatever you want, because nothing really matters. Right? They are called to be distinct in the world. We are called to be distinct in the world, to be in the world, but not of the world, is, this, is the phrase that we, we use. This is why the creed says that the church is not just Catholic, the church is the holy Catholic church. Okay? Not just universalism, not just uni does everyone whatever, no, the holy Catholic church. As N.T. Wright put it the other night, there are some distinctions that make a difference. 
And there are other distinctions that don't make a difference. In other words, we should get over those things, right? That's the real challenge. A third reason we should keep the word Catholic is because the church is essentially a place where differences are reconciled. Where differences are reconciled. As God and man are reconciled, so people and people should be reconciled. You can read about this in Ephesians chapter 2. If you're drawing pictures, finished your picture of the table and the chairs where everybody is welcome, draw a picture of a Band-Aid. And I don't mean Band-Aid as we sometimes say, like a superfluous, shallow, uh, um, window-dressing quick fix. But maybe we draw a picture of a Band-Aid as a symbol of healing, of, of things becoming all better, wounds being healed. There's a theologian I've been reading named Timothy Luke Johnson, and he writes, the whole world is about us versus them. The whole world is about envy and pride. We're in, you're out. Paul says the church's entire mission is to provide an alternative way of life, one measured by the new human who is Jesus, who is uh, one that grows through inclusion and reciprocity, that means giving back, rather than through exclusion. You're not allowed here, you're different. Theologian N.T. Wright the other night said that the church should be a sign to the world. The church should be a sign to the world of, of what the world can become. So the challenge is to be reconciled to others without letting go of the call to holiness. And that's a really difficult challenge. Here's another quote to look at. The, a Catholicity that simply a lack of standards, that means a, a, um, a Catholicness or everywhere-ness that is simply a lack of standards, is not worth much. Timothy Luke Johnson says, nor is a Catholicity that simply accepts the standards of the larger society. That's not worth much. And neither of these brings true reconciliation. Genuine reconciliation, authentic Catholicity, comes at a cost. Demands honest recognition of differences, as well as a recognition, at least to us, that some things really matter a great deal. And then it demands hard work, and slow work, which must be guided by the Holy Spirit, which is why we focused on that before talking about the church, which we'll talk about in the next few weeks. We talked about the power of the Holy Spirit for four weeks, because you can't, we are claiming to believe things that we don't even quite grasp or embody yet. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to step up to become what God has called for us to be as part of the church. And that kind of work is never quick, and that kind of work is never easy. To believe in a church that is Catholic is to believe the church is universal. That means general Trump specific. It's all, all around the world. It's to believe in a church that is inclusive. All are welcome to the table of grace. And then don't miss this. It is at the table of grace where transformation happens. So you're all welcome to the table of grace. And then expect some real nourishment to take place, some real transformation to take place at the table of grace. We don't remain the same. And then finally, it's all about reconciliation. To God, through Christ, as well as reconciliation from person to person, also through Christ. So, to wrap up, when you recite the creed next time, if you want to, you can go ahead and say, I believe in the holy, universal, inclusive, reconciliation-focused church. <laughs> or you might just stick what's worked with the church for 2,000 years and say, I believe in the holy Catholic church. Friends, may we recapture the meaning and the beauty of this word. 
But more importantly, may we live this out as a church. May we be a church that is uh, seeing the bigger picture as more important than our own personal little local needs. May we be a church where all feel welcome to come and discover the, che- the teachings in the person of Jesus. And we, may we be a church where people really are reconciled to God and one to another. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray for a minute, and we'll move on to a couple cool family things. We love you, Lord. We thank you that um, the church, the ancient church, brings to us a perspective and a set of priorities that really challenges us in our culture. And I'm grateful for that because I don't want to stay, I don't want to stay soft. I don't want to stay where I am and, and not be challenged to grow. And even when we come up against actual words that seem to not even mean the same anymore in our culture, I pray that you would help us to get to the core of it and then be part of the renewal movement of really discovering the beauty of what those who have gone before us have seen in the apostles' teachings so that we can become a, a truly um, apostolic church, a church like the ones that, the, that you started with your apostles, Lord. Bless this church, I pray, for your glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so what we're doing for the rest of our morning together is kind of a normal gathering because we want our kids to be involved in something that is pretty typical, um, but we're going to shrink it all down. In case you didn't notice it, that was about the fastest sermon I've preached in three years. 